In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. Paul's back in Dubai. Jack and I are here. You know, everybody kind of told us that this last week uh, would be nonstop free agents, nonstop everything, that we were going to just be floored, flooring it, filling up roster spots. And uh, it's been a kind of quiet week, Jack. So we haven't had to do any emergency podcasts or anything like that. So what's going on uh, across the pond? Yeah, so we're basically just waiting it out and going, hey, whenever there's some news, we'll do a podcast. And then it was like, I don't know if it's been a whole week or even I've got no idea last time we podcasted, but I was like, hey, it's got to a point. Let's drop a podcast. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really, really quiet. And um, that's not really a surprise. Andrew Berry's got probably an insane. It wouldn't surprise me if there's 20 plus offers out there for free agents. And it's up to that player to sign the deal. And that's the side we're waiting for. So Andrew Berry has a price probably on, they probably look at every single free agent coming into free agency and they take them either off their board because they don't want them or there's a number next to all of them. And we, I mean, even like the Von Millers, um, they probably even had a number sat next to Devontae Adams if he was potentially a free agent and just said, if he's available, what number are we willing to go to? And I wouldn't be surprised if the entire board has that. And lots of the players will have been told their number and it's up to them. Andrew Berry's not overpaying. It doesn't matter whether Baker Mayfield or Deshaun Watson's the quarterback. Do we think that the number next to Jarvis Landry was 20 million? (laughs) It was insane. I can't believe that came out. I think that that yeah, I think you made a point about the agent kind of putting that out there. Like, you know, I tried to reason with this guy and he was just being a little crazy. Um, I also think that there may have been like a it was a two for 20 or 10 million per there may have been a little bit of a, a contextual mishap on that one, but yeah, I have a, I have a hard time believing that Jarvis Landry will be pulling in $20 million a year. Yeah, it was uh, so pro football talk ran the article saying Jarvis Landry wanted 20 million a year. Um, but I think that the case is the he's left his agent and his agents trying to save face and just putting it out there that, Hey, Jarvis wanted 20 million a year to sign after Christian Kirk got it. And, that that's it just to say hey this the the guy's unreasonable it's not my fault i've lost a client it's kind of like when you break up with a girl and you say it's not you it's me and the agent's saying it's not me it's him <laughs> exactly that you, you, you've got to uh, protect the brand yeah um the only other really significant thing that kind of happened this week for the browns and by significant i really kind of mean in it was significant in the sense that it existed but you're not going to learn anything. That was the press conference between Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, and Deshaun Watson for the introductory. I do think that the Haslam's not being there didn't play well on a national stage, but also in the same sense, people have said for years they want Jimmy Haslam not involved in the football operations. So if that's the case and you kind of want a silent owner, then Jimmy Haslam's looks and says, hey, these are the guys that I hired to, play, to run the football side of it. Barry and Stavansky, this is your egg. You go deal with it. They did a Zoom call afterwards where, you know, not shocking, but D Haslam was better than Jimmy. I don't think this is really a, 
a topic I need to hear from Jimmy on. I mean, if the ownership signed off on it, then that's the way they're going to go. But in terms of the press conference, Jack, did you get a chance to watch it? So I watched the Barry, um, Watson and Stefanski one. Uh, I didn't watch the other one personally. I thought they had great cover to because it was the league owners meeting why they weren't there. I would have sent Jimmy to the league owners meeting and I'd put D on the panel um, because she's much more competent answering questions. And I think it would have given a, a strong public perception and it, it was a nice out for not having Jimmy there. Yeah. Also, I think that if D really wanted to be at the owners meeting, the way that these people travel, just remember, okay, billionaires can be wherever they want, whenever they want. So D Haslam could have easily come in, sat there, answered the questions, hopped on a private jet and been where she needed to be in about five hours. So, but in terms of the press conference, I think if you look at the, this is the body language, right? Between when Andrew Barry's at the combine or Andrew Barry's talking about things, Andrew Barry is an insanely intelligent, polished, professional, prepared guy. And you could just tell how uncomfortable he really was. He ummed and awed and paused. There was questions that were pretty obvious in what was being asked that he wanted to repeat it. That was all intentional. You know, that was, that was him basically saying, this isn't, this isn't what I really want to do. This is what we have to do, unfortunately. If any fan thought they were going to learn something from that press conference, you know, it's just, it's not realistic. I mean, with ongoing legal situations, and I mean, I know that there's been some lawyers that have popped into the spaces and stuff like that and kind of said the same thing. The Browns attorneys would have been present for any conversations that the Browns had regarding Deshaun's allegations. The reason for that is because if Deshaun or his attorney would have mentioned something that is not known, the Browns have then learned of this. The Browns then can be brought into the civil litigation. And there's no chance that the Browns and their team want to be brought into this, whether it's subpoenaed by the attorneys or whatever information that they got told, because this now makes the lever bar for the, uh, the claimants or so to say the, the people alleging the crimes larger, because now I have the Browns as an organization involved. So once they start pushing that lever, now the settlements of course going to happen. Um, I thought Deshaun Watson could have come up with some better answers, to be honest with you. You know, when asked about the number of masseuses over the years, he kind of just divided five years by uh, 40. And that was not a great answer. I think he could have left his brand out of it personally. I don't think that was a great answer. It just kind of was very cringeworthy. And the one about social media, I think what happened was, is they went over talking points in the, the, the pre, you know, the presser preview, so to say, and he had a couple things he wanted to say. So when that question came up, he wanted to make sure he said whatever it was they reviewed, but it just didn't come off right. Like talking about your social media and how that's no, but you're not going to learn anything. They're not. I mean, there's really not much you can go into it. I don't think fans opinions were going to change either way, whether you're on my side where you're still wildly uncomfortable about it, or you're on somebody else's side where you're like, you know what? He helps us win football games and that's okay too. So I'm not going to, you know, Sub, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to avoid the uncomfortable conversation and say like, it didn't make me feel any better. I mean, I, I understand what Deshaun Watson could do on the field. Like I'm not naive to that, but at the end of the day, Jack, they had to have the press conference. The press conference was pointless and these two things have to coexist. Yeah. Is there anything else we can really add to that? Is that that's basically where it's at. I'm happy that Andrew Barry was uncomfortable because hey, that, that shows he's human, um, which is something that the analytics community has always been sort of tarred with of they lack humanity and everything there and one interesting other thing was 
if someone's going to know information and roughly where the suspension is, you would expect one of those people to be Ian Rappaport or he just won't say anything. So I'd assume we wouldn't hear anything from anyone working for the NFL. But he came out and said four, six, eight or zero, um, which was really surprising. He said that on the Paul, uh, McAfee show. So that is one where I've said from the start, six just sort of feels where they're at as what the league does. But six or eight, and that that's just where I'm going to go um, now until I'm told otherwise. Doesn't mean I, I don't know anything more than anyone else, but it's just where it's, it's what the league tends to do in these cases. Yeah. And I, I still think it starts at eight, but now I think also you talk about a guy like Will Fuller, and I know we're going to get into the free agents here in a little bit, but you know, there was the idea that once this trade was finalized, it's, you know, a slew of free agents were going to come to the Browns. We'll also remember that with the criminal aspect kind of all buttoned up now in terms of the two open cases now going through the grand jury process and the grand jury is electing to not indict based on the information. Now, disclaimer, any new information that would be brought to light that was previously not known could reopen an investigation and charges could then. So the criminal side, it's over for what has been filed now, but you know, in spite of any new information being added, there won't be any other criminal stuff out there. Now, in saying that, the league generally does not wait until civil cases are settled. If you go back and look, uh, Gary and Conley was a guy from Ohio State who's still battling civil litigations for years. He openly talked about it on Twitter. The NFL said, this is your suspension. Civil trial be damned. Pac-Man Jones was another one who had issues where the league came out and once the criminal side was buttoned up, they, they levy the suspension. Now, the league does reserve the right that over the course of that civil process, they could add games or bring back some sort of an added suspension. But at this point, I would fully expect that the league has all the information they need to have where we should hear about this suspension. I'm assuming relatively within the next few weeks, it, it, you're not going to learn anything new. So the league has what it has. He sat out the year. Maybe that's one of the things that maybe gives them six games versus eight is they look at it as there's a quote unquote time served aspect, but I would fully expect that we hear about the suspension probably by the end of April, because I think OTAs start in May. I don't know if the league would do the Browns a favor and maybe give them the information before the draft. Gee, I would say two weeks from the time of the criminal case. So, um, that yeah, like we have the second week? one now. The league and everybody was aware of the second one. You know, the the other county, I forget the name of the county begins with a B. Um, but the league was aware of that. The team was aware of that. So that was nothing new added. So that one finished up this past week. So yeah, it could be quote unquote the first couple of weeks of April. We'll we'll know and. At that point there, if it's six games, then all of a sudden Will Fuller may say, you know what, I get Deshaun Watson for 11 games, I'm going to go play in Cleveland. If it's 10 games, Will Fuller may say, hey, man, I'm going to go sign a one-year deal in New Orleans or somewhere else and then look at Deshaun the following year. But that's that could be one of the reasons that you have some guys that are still unsigned is because they're still unsure at how much. Because if they want to come here and win a Super Bowl and it's a big suspension – well, Jacoby Brissett doesn't exactly give you the same odds at winning the Super Bowl as Deshaun Watson. Yeah, he's, he, he's good for a backup. He's not a leap for a start. Hey, listen, Jack, tell me you can't go chub, chub, hunt, Brissett. Run, 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 run. I, I'm, I, I would fancy to find the team that's going to stop the bulldozers that is Kareem Hunt, Jacoby Brissett, and uh, Nick Chubb. 
Hey, uh, so we're looking at what eight O linemen, and then um, Brissett, and then flanked either side with Chubb and Hunt. That's it. That's it. That's all. Amari Cooper. Sorry, buddy. We're we're going to use you on jet sweeps. Can we like loan him out for a year? <laughs> you know, that's a lot of people don't understand the British football system and EPL and stuff and how the loan in Europe works. Hey, it's not the worst idea, right? So, but I mean, I guess the other news we haven't really talked about Tyreek Hill being traded. Yep. And hey, it's for all those people saying no team's ever going to trade their the elite cap player. Isn't real. The cap isn't real. Really? When your wide receiver wants 30 million, even though it's not really quite 30 million, but still. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's quite a shade less than 30 million when the actual numbers came out. Yeah. Uh, and just, it's, just ahead, the way, it's just the way these things work. People see the big box office number and the agent's done his job of everyone thinks Tariq Hill's on 30 million a year. And doesn't matter to the team what, what number gets announced. They're, they're dealing with the facts. I think the most shocking thing about that trade was the fact that they got five picks for him. I mean, they weren't all firsts. I think it was only one first and then four subsequent picks after that. But five picks for him is quite a lot. But I think we were talking about this a little bit before, you know, in terms of windows. And I think if you're kind of trying to maybe put yourself in the mind of Paul D. Podesta, Andrew Barry, and these guys, the Chiefs, the Seahawks, we talked about, you know, these these teams and how this cap, this new thing in the NFL with these giant contracts. So the Browns right now likely are using 22-22. And we're going to segue this into some draft picks at 44 and also some free agents. But I think you have to look at this year as the year that the Browns need to establish who they are, set their identity, and get, you know, however many games they can with Deshaun Watson or Jacoby Brissett and get comfortable with the system. Because... The Chiefs, as you know, with Tyreek Hill, had about a three-year window. The Seahawks with prime Russell Wilson had about a three-year window. The Rams, this I think probably was the last year of their three-year window. We'll see if they can just absolutely you know, steal from Peter to pay Paul to get a fourth year out of it. But you look at all these top teams, they, they're, they hit their stride and their momentum when their big money quarterbacks do what the Browns did. And Jack has thoroughly pointed out to his thousands and thousands of new followers about how the structure of the contracts are low money up front, use the accounting system to push it into the back end. Well, the chiefs did it. Unfortunately, they gave that contract to Mahomes two years ago. Yep. And they gave a load of savings to Frank Clark. Yeah. Cleveland, Cleveland guy though. I think he's from Glenville. So, but what's happened now is, is it's time to pay the piper. And Tyreek Hill going, well, I want my money. And they're like, hope you like Miami. It's right on down the road here there, Mr. Tyreek. So that's unfortunately what's going to happen. So if you're lo- really looking from a Brown specific standpoint, look for that 2023 to 2025 window. So don't be surprised if the Browns make a lot of moves this year in terms of free agency and in the draft to load themselves up with young talent, because any talent they can get in the building this year, and I know we talked a little bit about Baker Mayfield possibly bringing in potential 2023 picks. And that may be nice because they maybe they use one to move to get the guy they want this year, because ultimately the Browns need to get the talent in the building now, and they need to start developing this roster to open up that three-year window. So I think that's kind of where I really see the Browns going. You know, you may see trades, you may see a flurry of activity by the Browns to kind of set themselves up this year for success in the following three years. So yesterday we had a tweet before we get into free agency. We'll just touch on where the salary cap's at. Um, everyone's favorite beat writer, uh, Daryl Wright. Tweeted, Dangerous Daryl. Updated Brown salary cap space. According to NFLPA report, 
2.32 million. And my phone just went mental. And th- this is probably the the follower count going up has been really really nice added like 3000 followers in less than 2 weeks it's been nuts and thank you for everyone that's followed but this was the crazy thing that all the responses were nah go listen to jack duffin go listen to jack duffin no nah, i don't take my advice from anyone else go listen to jack and it's like how insane is it that i am now a more reputable source than the nflpa <laughs> um which i, I just Thank you guys so much. And the reason why I explained this on Twitter is they're behind. So stuff like over the cap, they update a lot quicker than the NFLPA. And Daryl pointed out that, hey, they do say they update their numbers every day, but you can refresh your numbers every day. It doesn't mean you're actually putting the new information in. And the obvious error for me, just looking at it straight away of why is it 2.32? Well, if we look at the old Watson deal at 35 million in 2022 and then change it to the new Watson deal in 2022, which is 10.028 million, well, suddenly that becomes 27.29 million in cap space, which is where we expect the number to be. There might be a couple of other little errors in there, but that then corrects the whole thing. They just haven't got Deshaun Watson's new contract in there. And the Browns had to restructure Cooper and everything because the new Watson deal wasn't done until after the trade. So he was traded to the Cleveland Browns on the old contract and then he signed the new one and they just haven't updated their numbers. So, um, hey, I had a small exchange with Daryl, told him, hey, use over the cap. Um, his point was, hey, well, the NFLPA's numbers are official. Over the caps are just the, the strong working estimate they have. The NFL social media channels don't use the NFLPA. They use over the cap. So, uh, hey, OTC, baby, it's the place to go. Well, and also remember, it's not like I think sometimes people think of the salary cap like a checking account where, you know, if, say, quote unquote, the NFLPA website says the Browns have $2.7 million in there. Well, then that's all the money they have to spend. And if they spend more than that, they get some sort of an overdraft fee. That's not really how it works. The Browns satisfied the cap requirement the first day of the league year. Jack, when's the next checkpoint? Because the Browns at this point could go over, under. The cap is a fluid situation. It's not like every move they have to make has to stay within a certain guardrail. I mean, the Browns could acquire a player in a big cap and subsequently make a trade for, you know, say a second string quarterback that frees up $18 million or whatever it is. You know, it's not like once you use up the two point, whatever it is, million in your account, you're, you're done. Hence how the two point and the 27 million are really kind of insignificant in terms of when the papers are processed. Yeah. So it's every 24 hours, they've got to be under that amount. So, um, but there's loads of different moves, like as the Deshaun Watson new deal they've done, Hey, that suddenly frees up 25 million. Um, so that every 24 hours they have to be under. So all the way through now until the end of the season, they have to be under that number, but, they can easily do that. They can make a few different moves, restructure a few contracts, other bits and pieces, but they have to be under every 24 hours, but that's not a problem. Um, there's other ways they can create cap space. So there are over 26 um, OTC number, 26.3 million is where they're at now. Obviously that is without the deals for Jacoby Brissett, Walker and Hubbard. Just to put a projection on them in terms of their 2023 number, Brissett is getting paid 4.65 million overall. I expect his number to be about 2 million. Walker is getting paid 5 million overall. I expect that 2022 number to be 2 million. We have no idea what Hubbard's getting paid. So let's just call that 1.3 million on the books this year. The reason why that, that, that number is less than what they're actually getting paid, 
They're using signing bonus, void years, backloading deals, same way they do with everyone else. So that gives us a number today they're working with at 21 million left, which is plenty for signing anyone. Um, when Baker's gone, that's another 18.9 million on the books. On June 2nd, they add an extra 9.5 million from Hooper. So what's that added in 2030? That's 50 million there come June 2nd. They have got a really, really nice, strong position moving forward. They'll add some guys, but they'll backload them as well. And my guess is, Jack, whoever the Browns, you know, whether it's Kovash or whoever the guys are in the accounting department of the Berea, they work with the NFL on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, kind of they have some sort of a master spreadsheet so that, you know, the league knows. Because, like, right now, now, if you were to explain, I got this question before, and I don't think I could answer it correctly. So, over the cap, which you plug often at this point, they should give you free t-shirts and an advertisement deal. You have the space under cap space. It says cap space. And the Browns right now, you said is I think 26.223, whatever it is. Um, but the column next to it is the effective cap space, which is only listed at 24.5. What is the difference between the original cap space column and the effective cap space column? So is this in future years where they've got less than 51 players signed or it could it could be the fact that so that's going to account for 53 players so during the off season you only account on the books for 51 guys during the season you have to account for the top 53 on the roster the reason the league does that is just to give the teams a little bit of extra wiggle room as we go through the off season um and then when it comes to week one you have to account for all 53 on the roster and you have to account for practice squad and those guys as well but that's a tiny amount in terms of the rookie picks because people have asked me a bit about the rookie picks so the year one salary of all our rookie picks is 6.7 million but because most of them people and what they're going to earn it will actually fall below the top 51 that they need to account for net you only need 1.78 million to account for all of those so they've got loads of cap space at the moment they could sign several free agents they're not going to sign everyone because if you sign everyone hey you're you're spending that money in the future that we need um they want to roll over 20 25 million no doubt um because that then just helps down the line um but they, they can make as many moves as they'd like well, I think that's a good way to effectively kind of maybe transition a little bit into the the draft area. Do you want to do free agents or do you want to do draft first? Let's do free agents first because I think it's the, it's the position you need to chat about free agency first because these moves are going to happen before we get there. Um, Hopefully. Gonna, we maybe throw some little snippets in after, but there's four, there's four serious positions that we're actually going to sign a player that 50% mm-hmm. of Browns fans might actually care about. Or um, heard of. Yeah, heard of. Uh, so I still think it's funny how many Browns fans had never heard of Jakeem Grant. Like this guy actually has scored touchdowns in the league. Like he's played for a few different teams. Yeah, I barely heard of him. I was like, who is this guy? And then you saw that punt return and you were like, oh, look at him over the shoulder, catching the ball at the four yard line. And then I saw his returner and I was like, are they drunk? Why are we signing returners? If he runs it out the end zone, they'll be held to pay. Um, so wide receiver is the first one. They need a wide receiver too. Are you in agreement with me? It's going to be one free agent that they bring in, a real free agent. They might bring in some like guy at one million, no guaranteed money to battle yeah, him, a yeah. Lewis Cager sort of player, but a, a premier free agent will. I I think they're going to bring in a guy that we've all heard of, so to say, as their wide receiver too. Now, 
I think there's different levels of wide receiver two, right? So wide receiver two could be Chris Godwin. It could be Jarvis Landry, or it could be Tajay Sharp, just to name, you know, so it, I think there's different levels of wide receiver two. You know, Sammy Watkins has tried to make a career bouncing around teams, finding out, you know, where he could be a wide receiver two. So I think they are going to find somebody, so to say, that is a wide receiver two who is going to be maybe their why, who's just a consistent boundary. I don't think you're looking at like an Anquan Bolden back in the day where he was like the most elite wide receiver two there is. And I do think that most of the, just in chatting with a few people within the league, I do think that a lot of teams right now think that this wide receiver class that's in the draft is full of very high end wide receiver two prospects. Yep. You don't have Jamar Chase. Jalen Waddle was kind of him and Devontae Smith were your one and two bubble type of guys. I think a lot of the guys here, the Drake London's trail, I think a lot of these guys are wide receiver twos. So if the Browns do go get maybe not the most sexy wide receiver two, it may tip that they're looking, hoping some of those guys drop. And I know that with all these trades in the first round, everybody thinks that there's going to be 14 wide receivers taken in the first round. I'm not sure that that's just quite the case, but you know, we can take a look out there. Who are some guys in that, uh, that wide receiver two and free agency that you kind of like, I mean, is there anybody? I'm going to start with the, the, the bookies favorite. If you were going to, and there's no one's allowing everyone's gamble, but if you were going to, it's Will Fuller is currently the favorite. Um, and Owen Jones, listener of the show, good guy from Wales. Um, he, he put me onto Juju's contract and said, Hey, Juju got an incentive deal. What's that mean for Will Fuller? So I pulled it up and the sort of deal you could look at for Will Fuller, if it's copy of um, Juju's is two and a half million guaranteed and then seven and a half million incentives on top of that. So a max value of 10, is he going to achieve the max value? No, it's got pro bowls. It's got um, super bowl wins. It's got other stuff in there, but you're looking at the main incentives are receptions if he gets to 40 catches, it's half a mil. Gets to 50, it's one mil. Gets to 65, it's one and a half mil. If we look at yards, 500 yards gets him half a mil. 650 yards gets him one mil. 900 yards gets him one and a half mil. And same with playing time, 45% playing time is half a mil. 65% playing time, one and a half mil. So all of this stuff's there that it allows the Browns, if they had a similar deal with Will Fuller, to go, hey, we really want you but we don't want to risk everything on you because if you get injured and you play 50 snaps, we don't, we can't afford to be saddled with that bill. So it, it allows Will Fuller the upside to earn more than the Browns would give him because they'd be looking at a seven to 8 million deal. If they were looking somewhere in the middle, we're going to give you the potential to earn all the way up to 10. And quite frankly, if they win a Super Bowl. They're not worried. They overpaid Will Fuller. Um, and then the downside is, Hey, it goes wrong. You get injured in camp. You don't go anywhere. We've given up two and a half mil. It's not the end of the world. They'll backload that two and a half mil. The contract this year would be like one, 1.4 million on the, on the books. So easily doable. Yeah, I think I think you're right. That's probably the most logical. Um, obviously, the reason is because he has a connection with Deshaun Watson. So this is a guy who's played with him in Houston. The only only worry I have with him is just he, as John McClain from the Houston Chronicle or Houston Texans guy says, he is the most injury prone player he has ever seen in his time covering the NFL. And for those who don't remember, Fuller was a wide receiver under Notre Dame years ago. So his his specialty is the deep post. He loves to go deep. 
He just, he's not, he, he's quick, he's shifty, but the man just loves going deep. And Deshaun Watson in September, October, if he's playing, can throw the ball deep. There's no doubt about that. So the other one, it's not a free agent, but I've heard him discussed, and he's another known guy. Obviously, with Tyreek Hill being brought into the Dolphins, they have Jalen Waddell. They signed Cedric Wilson. Well, they have Devontae Parker there. And Devontae Parker could be a guy that you'd obviously have to acquire via trade with the Dolphins. And this is a guy who, former first-round pick, and I will say, yes, I do have the memory. I do remember being in Chicago when Devontae Parker was drafted. And his, I believe, mom had a few things to say about the city of Cleveland and how they were glad that her son did not get drafted. Uh, This was a kid out of Louisville. She was glad her son did not get drafted by the Cleveland Browns because the organization was a dumpster fire. To be fair, I can't exactly disagree with her at the time. I believe that would have been, you know, the 27, 2016, 15, 16, somewhere in there. The the, the team was a dumpster fire. I mean, that you're talking about your pet and farmer days. Um, Nothing was going right. So while I get that we may, as Browns fans, hold hostilities towards Mr. Devontae Parker, if he's looking to come in and finish out, I think he's on like a $9 million contract or something like that. Uh, Super cheap. So you're looking at 2022 being 6.15 million and 23 being 6.2. So um, super, super cheap. And for that reason, I think you might need to give up a third for him um, just because that that's crazy how cheap that deal is. There you go. So he's the one guy that I, and I'm listen, I'm not going to steal it from Zaguro kind of mentioned it. So it's been out there with Miami, obviously the, the first when Tyree kill goes there, everybody starts looking, okay, well, who's going to fall off the wagon? Because when you add Tyree kill and that type of money, they're going to look to get rid of somebody because they just don't have enough. I mean, you have Tua and you've got Mike Gasicki, who really is a wide receiver. You've got Cedric Wilson. Now you, and you just paid him, you know, you've got Tyree kill and you've got Jalen Waddle. So who's the odd man out Devontae Parker. Um, he's also a guy that's battled a little injuries, but he's something to take a look at, you know, um, in terms of other free agents, Deshaun Hamilton was a guy that got cut by the Broncos. You know, a lot of fans may remember him coming out of Penn state. Um, Adam Humphreys, my guy, he's not, he's obviously more of a slot receiver, um, but he's still out there unsigned. I don't know if there's some injury stuff going on there. Obviously, if you're looking for a veteran, Sammy Watkins is still 29, he every once in a while has shown the potential to give you decent production. And he may look at Deshaun Watson. Remember where Sammy Watkins went to college? Remember where Deshaun Watson went to college? They're both Clemson boys. This may be one of those things where they say, hey, there's a connection there. Um, you, may, you may see it. So I'm trying to think if there's any other names. I know people have mentioned Odell, but you guys got to remember, he tore his ACL in the Super Bowl. Odell Beckham's not going to be ready till probably November. I mean, I know that like with speed and stuff like that, but we saw how long it took for Odell to get back on the field when he tore his ACL in October. I mean, in that Bengals game, I think it was like week seven. And he didn't, he wasn't even ready for anything to the end of summer. I mean, Odell is a Ferrari in terms of how he treats his body. He's not going to go out there after six months, not being fully rehab. So that one doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Obviously the numbers with Jarvis has still been out there. If he wants to come back, is he your wide receiver two, quote unquote? No, he should be your three. But if you don't have anything else, I mean, I, I have 20 million laying around for him. We should just put a GoFundMe. And so next we'll jump into edge. Um, Bookie's favorite is obviously Jadavian Clowney, um, the return. Um, 
talks is 24 million over two. So I think that would be somewhere around. I thought somebody tweeted out that they had an expiring offer that was, you know, he had to let them know by last Saturday or something. It was like two weeks ago. Somebody put out there like they've given him this contract and he needs to respond now. Yeah, he's going to keep shopping until everyone else has told him no. And then he'll be like, yeah, I'll come back. And I think Um, really that's what's happening, Jack. He thought there would be a bigger market out there. You know, he saw Harold Landry get paid. He saw Max Crosby get his extension. Hassan Reddick got a big deal. You know, I think Charles Harris was another guy that just kind of maybe got a little bit under the market. Chandler Jones got, what, 17 and a half. So if I'm only willing to pay Chandler Jones 17 and a half, I have a funny feeling Clowney thought that's what he was going to be, 17 and a half. And if you look at Chandler Jones and you look at J.D. Clowney, I don't see apples to apples here. So you're going to have to take less. So to your point and other guys, I think he's now battling with the Ingrams, the Hughes, and those type of guys. I still want my double act of uh, Ingram and Hughes. I, I just think. It what gives about you Clowney so and Hughes? I just don't think they're going to pay 20 million for two pass rushes. Not 20 million. No, because it'd be 12 plus six and a half, 18 and a half. I just think that's. Add in miles is 12. That's three for 30. Yeah. I, I, I just think that that's an awful lot of money. Um, But I, I wouldn't. I would love to bring in Cherry Hughes. I just think he, he's going to get after the quarterback all the time. Um, in his so wheelchair? Hey, the dude's getting as much pressure as Jadavian Clowney, and he's old. Well, to be fair, he was doing it on a Bills. We all, uh, listen, if there's one thing we can give the Bills credit for other than jumping through tables is they had a pretty darn good D-line, and you really didn't have like the Miles Garrett. You had four guys that were really good at what they did. So there was no way. And listen, I'm not saying Jerry, he was a, you know, a bad player. I mean, this, he was a first round pick, you know, I think in my college days of 2010. But I think if you're bringing him in to be your edge three, I like it a little bit better than I do your edge two. That's just He's where I'm the at. the best edge three in the league as an edge three because – in terms of rushing the passer, you probably won't find many better edge threes in the league. Yeah. Pre so, the draft. If you want to bring him in kind of as a solid three, I have no problem with that. Do you think it's realistic that they're going to get him in that five to $6 million range? Yeah. I think it's just going to be about six. Six. Yeah. Okay. So that's, yeah. I mean, that's someone. Yeah. I, I mean, Based on some of these other numbers, Jack, I mean, if you can get a guy at five, six million, I mean, it's a little bit more than the, the Claiborne's and the tax and, you know, a little bit less than you played Vernon back in the day. But I don't think that's a horrible contract. No, and it depends how aggressive they want to be. Um, and as well, if you're weak at DT and you want to move Miles and Clowney inside, well, hey, you actually spend that extra bit of money on your um, third edge and then you start flicking Clowney to three tech um, because, hey, Hopefully, we'll have stopped them on first down, and then we're really aggressive on second down. So next up, let's jump to the interior. Well, there's two other names I'll I'll throw out there. The one guy was released by the Trey Flowers. I was going to say Trey Flowers is another guy. He was released um, after signing a big money contract in Detroit. If he's willing to do... So I think now we're starting to talk about your perfect candidates for the one year next to Miles contracts. So if Trey Flowers wants to hit the market and say the Browns go to Clowney and say, listen, this is the deal, okay? If take it or leave it, then they turn around to Trey Flowers and say, we're going to give you a one-year deal. You can come in here just like Clowney did. He got nine sacks. Then you can go and attempt to hit the market again because Trey Flowers is only 29 years old. 
That's a guy I could see that they're going to call and see if he's interested. This is a guy that played in the Belichick system for a long time, then went to, I mean, he's bounced around the league in terms of like following coordinators. I think he could come in and thrive in that one year type of role. And the other guy, I'm surprised I haven't seen his name more. And I don't know if there's an injury thing with him that I have just picked Jason Pierre Paul. I mean, he's, he's a year younger than um, your man, uh, Jerry Oldman Hughes, but I know he only has, you know, half a hand on the one side because of his firework incident. But I mean, this is a guy that did a lot for the Bucks. He's another guy I would at least kick the can on. And if, if that edge market dries up, which it kind of is right now in terms of the dollars, and you mentioned it before, Andrew Barry likely has a number that says if Jason Pierre Paul becomes available or Trey Flowers becomes available and is willing to sign a one, seven and a half, one, eight million. I think Clowney last year was four plus four. So it was like an eight million dollar deal. Maybe he has an eight million dollar contract on the on the floor for those guys and says who who wants it. So Peter I could see any of those. Pressures went down last year, and that, that's one thing that does concern me um, with him. So I think Did he play in all the games. Much more there um, type. I was just looking at pressures per snap. Yeah. So in terms of edges, just some names and stuff that you probably want to just keep an eye on because I do think that by having the twenty five year old Miles Garrett, I think he's twenty five. Uh, next to him, you're going to garner interest because guys who are like, you know what, I can come in there and be the one B not a bad idea. So, and these are talking about names you've heard of. So, yeah. So in 2021, Jackie, uh, Pierre Paul only played 12 games. So he missed five games last year. Yeah. So I'm still dividing. Yeah. The pressures by pass rush snaps. Also, so. I will say that his 2020 season was probably the, I know in terms of sacks, he had 16 and a half his second year in the league with the Giants. Um, but he had two defensive or two interceptions in uh, 2020. So he had a pretty darn good year. Six passes defensed, two fumble recoveries, nine and a half sacks, uh, 14 quarterback hits. So yeah, he had a, he had a really strong 2020 made, made the Pro Bowl. Nice. So jumping inside, there's two big names left on the market. Quite frankly, Calais Campbell would be super fun to watch. Are the Browns going to spend $8 million on defensive tackle? I highly, highly, highly doubt it. And certainly not if they spend that money on uh, $12 million on Jadamian Clowney. Do you think that Jerry Hughes and Calais Campbell would get preferred parking spots, maybe in the front of the building? Maybe one with like a blue sign in front of it? Is, is Berea American Disabilities Association compliant? They're driving together. In what? The conver- con- conversion can? Conversion van? Maybe they'll drive as Paul calls it through the golf field on the buggy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't think those guys are coming. Uh, the guy that I would like to bring back as the one, not a sexy name by all means, but a solid name, is the return for Sheldon Richardson. I honestly don't know what the vibe is between him and the front office, but him at $3 million for one year I think will be a great value signing. Um, Taven Bryant is starting. He's paid starter money for their defensive tackles. People are telling me, hey, he's all right. It's a third choice defensive tackle. I was like, no, he's he's probably going to be the highest paid guy in the room. So, uh, yeah, I'd like to bring Sheldon back. I don't mind if it's a two-year deal um, because he wants a little bit more. I'm happy to pay that. The guy is solid. You know what you're going to get. You get a guy, and we talk about culture and leaders in the locker room. Sheldon Richards was a very S.91, uh, I believe. Um, this is a guy that, cha- I mean, his career was on the 
off to a rough start. I'll say that much, right? He got into a little bit of crap. He's changed it around now, and he has kind of solidified himself in the league and saying, I can be a very serviceable defensive tackle, and for the right amount of money, I would absolutely bring him back, even though because Chase Winovich took 69, that leaves 98 still available, Sheldon. So if you're interested, your number is still there. Just saying. So... Any other defensive tackles you want to mention? Uh, Sheldon Day is a guy I want back, but he's mm-hmm. going to be your DT3. Yeah. Uh, a couple of names to just throw out there. Uh, I know that they allegedly, there was some report out there that they had an interest in Akeem Hicks. I think this is the way I'm going to say this. The Browns are going to have interest or call on pretty much everybody yep. because that's what their job is to do. So, for example, you call and say, what's what's Akeem looking for? $8 million. Okay, it's probably more than we'd pay. We'd, if, hey, listen. It's kind of like when I go to buy a car, right? I got $6 million to buy for this D-tackle one. If Akeem is interested, you know my roster. You see, I got this guy. You got to get this guy. I got this guy. So there's $6 million bucks on the table. That's my offer. I'll let him shop till the cows come home. But if he's interested, that, that, that contract offer will be there. I think the same goes through with, you know, if you're looking for a run stuffer like an Eddie Goldman, he had some interest out there. Nadama Kong Su, maybe bring in Jason Pierre Paul and Nadama Kong Su. Maybe both of those guys have some interest in being one year rentals. Um, some other names out there. I know a lot of Browns fans are clamoring for Larry Ogunjobi to come back. I mean, if you're looking for the peak of inconsistent D tackle play, point no other to good old Larry O. Um, and then the other guy. Uh, I did see that my guy, Matt Ioannidis, signed with the Panthers, so that did hurt my heart a little bit. But uh, we talked a little bit about him last year, Solomon Thomas. You know, he was a guy. He's back out there. He's a free agent from the Raiders. He's bad. Well, the problem is, is when you're in the the Vegas Raiders situation, we're talking guys that are going to come in and compete. I mean, we're talking about names. I don't think he's had a 60 rating for PFF in any season. Yeah, yeah. Listen, former number three overall pick in the draft. If you're look, listen, just because we didn't get Al Woods, okay, you're you're still a little hostile about this defensive tackle position. Um, really, I mean, it, the Danny Shelton's a name that we've thrown out there. Zach Kerr is a name uh, that's still out there. Accepted, they're not going to draft a fat guy. I want a fat guy like Zach Kerr, but they're not going to do it. Um, so give me Sheldon Day. Jalen Holmes is still out there. I think we pretty much used up all of our uh, D tackle uh, capital on getting Taven Bryan right. Mm. All these other guys. Hey, yeah, if, if, if anyone was listening and told their mates Taven Bryan's going to sign for the Browns about a month or um, two months ago, hey, people think you're smart. If we're expanding the uh, internal uh, parking spaces of the Browns, Star Latulale is out there for the Bills. He's another guy. He's in his 30s. But, you know, at the end of the day, Jack, I think they're just going to bring in some guys that do that that specific role for a decent amount of money. So I think that pretty much covers the D tackles. I mean, I, I can't see them using pick 44 on a D tackle. So one last and- spot in free agency. Let's go all the way back. Take it right back to the safety spot. We've obviously got John Johnson, who's on a big money and he's going to start Del Pitt with just health. He's been okay. He's, he's been nothing special. Um, so I, I feel like they, they want to add another guy in there. You're not going in with Richard LeCount as your third and feeling really good about that pre-draft. So I think they're going to look for somebody. The big splashy name would be to bring in the Honey Badger. Hey, yep. it, it'd be fun. Is the Honey Badger worth the 13 million you roughly might get? For me, it's a no. No. Um, I, I, I would love to have the Honey Badger play. I would not love to pay the Honey Badger what he's worth. And he's worth 
decent money. Um, but yeah, for me, I, I, I'm out on paying him the money it's going to be. Yeah, I, listen, I think he'd be a fun player, no doubt. And if he's willing to take a non-hometown discount to come and play for the Browns, then sure. But yeah, I, I'm anything over 10 million, even is eight. If he's willing to take like a one year, seven or $8 million deal, maybe. But yeah, at that point there, I'm not, I'm not interested at $13 million. It's just, that's too much capital invested for a guy that plays a little too freelance. You know, this is a guy that doesn't really play within structure. You know, when you're Ed Reed or you're Troy Palomalu, that's one thing. And I'm not saying that Honey Badger isn't good, but he's not all pro. I mean, he's just always seems to be at the right place at the right time when the ball gets tipped. So next up, I'm going to ask for another parking space near the uh, the clubhouse. And mm-hmm. I, I'm going to ask for Kareem Jackson um, from the Denver Broncos. <laughs> Pure free safety. And I, I feel very much they should be targeting a free safety rather than someone nearer the line of scrimmage. I think it just works nicely with the two guys they've got. He's older but he gives me a one-year option where I can then go into the draft and pick someone up like a Nick Cross, like someone else. Um, but I, I think they're going to draft a guy this year in the safety room, but bring in a free agent as well. Yeah, Kareem Jackson, I think he was a first-round pick for the Texans back. I think he was actually in the same draft as Jerry Hughes, if I'm not mistaken, so that may be kind of funny that you're just loving on that 2010 draft. Um Terrell Edmonds, the guy from the Steelers, I have no interest in. He's just made too many mistakes. I think he's more of an in-the-box safety. I know his name's been out there a little bit. Jabril Peppers is familiar with how to play Euclid, um, you know, in terms of a cover one. If you really want to put somebody deep, he can relive his Greg Williams days. Um, Tayshawn Gibson's another former Brown, you know, if we're really talking about some of the guys that are out there. I don't think there's a specific sexy name, if I'm being honest, out there. You go through some of these guys, I think you're just going to try to maybe make some connections. Are there any guys out there that are familiar with Woods' system and what the Browns in the secondary want to do that they can come in and plug to play a specific role? You know, that was kind of my theory behind Anthony Harris before he went back to the Eagles was this is a guy you, you can bring in. You kind of know what you're going to get. It's what they did with Sendejo. It's what they've done with a couple of these other veterans where there's a, a specific role, a guy they know they can play that role, and then they go in and get the guy pretty cheap. So... Outside of that, I don't really see too many guys on this safety. I yeah, mean, I, by the way, I, I'm shocked Ronnie Harrison hasn't resigned with or hasn't signed with anybody. Uh, I, uh, some people have said bring Ronnie back. I'm, I'm not keen on that. I'd rather bring back Peppers. Um, yeah, he probably wants to play closer to the line of scrimmage than we want to use him. But hey, if I bring him him for a one year deal, I'm happy to do that. He's young, um, he's got upside, and he can do stuff. Yeah, I, um, I think my my ship has sailed on Mr. Jabril Peppers. We need somebody. So whoever that is, just go and find me a free agent. Um, so next, we're not going to go too deep in the draft yet. It's still early. That it, There's a little bit more free agency before we'll de- delve in, but we'll start getting into it more um, as the month turns into April soon. Um, I just want to touch on pick 44. So I've done a lot of the numbers, dig in on age, on athletic profile. Um, the height and weight numbers are in there as well, but I don't grade on those. Um, just to look at all the guys, who are the sort of perfect fits for the Browns in terms of age and athleticism numbers. And I have inflated the numbers a bit based on what we had um, last two years because it's a slightly older draft class because uh, COVID and everything else. We're down to five dudes. 
There is two running backs, but I haven't put them in the list because we're not drafting a running back at pick 44. So I'll start there. I'm just going to run through and then you, you can have your comment on who you like most in these guys. So we've got wide receiver George Pickens. We've got offensive tackle Tyler Smith. We've got edge defender Drake Jackson. Linebacker, I think it's Christian Harris. Harris is definitely the surname. And then safety, Daxton Hill. There you're five in. Who's your favorites? And is there anyone you're like, no, nah, don't give me that. The issues I have is I don't think Pickens is worthy of the 44 pick. Here's the thing on him I've seen. He's very boom bust, right? Some people think he could be the great, the best wide receiver from the whole class. And some people think that he's a third round pick, right? So I think that you have the unfortunate issue of, I, I don't know if, and it could be a guy that they see a couple things. And remember, Chad O'Shea has a pretty good history of developing wide receivers, but I don't know. I'm not all that high on taking a wide receiver at 44. I know we have um, Amari Cooper, and I think that I would rather go out and maybe use like that 99 pick to get me Devontae Parker and go that route and then maybe get somebody later in the draft because I still think that the youth on the D-line is the biggest miss that we have. That's why I believe on that list you mentioned uh, Drake Jackson. So he's my interest. And you mentioned Daxton Hill, the safety. I think he's a smart, heady player. That's a kid out of Michigan. I could see that. The problem is I think we've invested quite a bit in the secondary. Um, that's three. Who are the other two guys? So Tyler Smith, offensive tackle, which, hey, you could pick. If you they could, really like a guy, they're not going to draft a starter in this draft. Even at pick 44, the dude's unlikely correct. to start. So Barring injury. Go, we'll replace Conklin in a year's time. He is the guy. We'll bring him in. They would then probably move Hubbard to inside or something there. But if they really, really like the guy, could happen. And the other guy is Christian Harris, linebacker. I can't see it. No. Um, tackle, and, tackle and linebacker, I just don't see. Um, if we're going through second-round picks, and I, I'd have to look at some of the qualifiers, where did that uh, Penn State kid, that Ebeketti guy, where did he fall outside of your guardrails? He goes by Arnold, and he has another name. He's the edge out of Penn State. Yeah, let me just dig out his numbers um so yeah if you go to my twitter guys um i've tweeted it all out every single dude in there even the guys in the top 32 that we're not going to be able to draft epiketti um age is the issue with him how old is he uh it's got a red x so it's not good so he's too old what about uh logan hall the edge slash d tackle guy that can play inside and outside Logan Hall, um, I didn't have an age. Oh, he's an okay age. So I didn't have one when I tweeted it initially, but somebody sent it to me. He is only a few months. So he's in that gray area. So he'd be yellow okay. on my chart for an unknown. So he's a possible defensive tackle there. All right. So yeah, he's a guy that I would look at. Yeah, because he's an inside outside guy. So he's a guy I like. Um, Perry and Winfrey was another kid out of Oklahoma that I know that. Uh, yep, I just um, age is in the yellow range, hasn't tested yet, so uh, um, no idea on him there. And last but not least, my guy, Texas A&M friend of Miles Garrett, Demarvin Leal. He's a D tackle, D edge out of Texas A&M. Straight up yellow, so average athleticism, average uh, age. Okay, so you know these are the type of guys um, that I think. But 
just like last year when we were all having these conversations, Jeremiah Wusu-Kormo was not going to be available at pick 50. So I would not be shocked if when you're looking in that second round, people were like, oh my gosh, how is Jahan Dotson still on the board? Or, you know, how is Lewis Sign? I know he's above your age guardrail. Um, you know, how is this guy on the, on the board still? There's going to be two or three guys that I think people project in terms of the first round bubble that slide back into the second round. And remember, be having picked 44 last year, we I think we had picked 54, 53 or 54 in a trade up to get JOK. At 44, you may be able to stop the slide of a certain player that's falling back. And we might be able to take somebody who originally thought we did not think would be available at 44 that still is. What about this guy? So he projects to be slightly outside on the age rails, not a red X, but just my black lines if people look at my chart. Mm -hmm. Um, But did well athletics-wise and has a really good pass rushing grade, one of the top five guys along with your Miles Garrett's and other people. Nick Benito. Yeah, kid out of Oklahoma. Yeah. So if you look, uh, Benito's been getting a lot of kind of pub. If I'm not mistaken, when he was at Oklahoma, he was asked to play, I think, more with his hand up, if I'm not mistaken. So he had more of that kind of, what's his what's his uh, measurables? They're not red X's, so they're not crazy, but they're not green ticks. So he's probably slightly lower than they would love, but he's in the okay range. Gotcha. So this is a guy I think you'd be betting on a lot of upside. Um, what's funny is I feel like I saw his name being spun around yesterday and I don't remember exactly why. Um, so there was a tweet that was going out in terms of the highest graded pass rushers uh, since 2011 in college. And the order went chase young, Miles Garrett, Nick Benito, Nick Bosa, and Joey Bosa. That's exactly the tweet I saw. Yeah. So I think that is the funny thing. Now, obviously, the, the Bosa brothers both went to uh, St. Thomas Aquinas High School, and I think the third one, I think Benito did as well. So he's a, he, listen, if you're looking for edge pressure, Jack, I think this is a guy where probably 16 teams have him higher than 16 other teams, right? He's one of those guys where when you look at a player, And this is what I think sometimes people forget is the Browns may have quote unquote Nick Benito on a late first beginning of the second round grade, whereas the Steelers have him as a top 15 or top 18 player, you know, because this is a guy who's listed at 6'3", 240. So maybe they look at it and say, wow, this is a guy that I think could really develop alongside TJ Watt, right? And, or, you know, you have um, Alex Highsmith as well. So if they want to bring a guy in and kind of mold him that way, whereas the Browns look at him and say, well, he's a little small for us. So you have a divide sometimes between players and their measurables. This is the type of guy I think that will fall on that, on that kind of curve. Do they interview him? Do they sit there and go, you know what? I think this guy could carry 255. Do I think that this guy could kind of maybe play like Tack McKinley or something like that? That's, I think, where you're going to find a guy like Benito. But obviously, really talented guy from a you know top program in college football and able to generate that type of pass rush ability. I mean, that's a guy you're betting on with high upside. The question is, what is the role for him? Because I don't think he's a hand-down, edge-two kind of guy. So you certainly want to keep an eye on that. I, I do think edge and wide receiver is probably where we're looking at. And, and guys, if you're looking at picks we need, 
I've said it before, look to the what we have on the 2023 roster rather than what we have on the 2022 roster because that's what they're drafting for. They're drafting more for 2023 than 2022 um, because they need that guy to be a starter next year. He can just be a role player or backup or special teamer this year. Yeah, and, and, and listen, I know with the draft it's tough and I do find it funny sometimes that when people want to solve, like you say, oh, well, what are the Browns going to do about this? They go to like a draft network. They do a mock draft. They screenshot and they go, well, you can do exactly what I said as long as you draft exactly like this draft is. And you look at some of the players on there, you're like, well, what happens if none of these guys are available at that spot? Because sometimes when you run through the mocks and stuff, what happens is, is you know, and we're having this conversation about Sky Moore. And Sky Moore is obviously a wide receiver who is either going to be Jerry Rice or Darren Shiverini for all the old Browns fans out there. You'll know exactly who Darren Shiverini is, but how many people have seen Western Michigan football games? You know, admittedly, I've probably only seen two or three matchings and I'm not going to lie to you. I don't remember Sky Moore dominating any of the games, but this is a guy that when the draft circles come home, everybody makes him a third round pick, third round pick. And you see his name out there. Well, then all of a sudden he starts creeping up into the second round and the second round. And now he's at the end of the second round. And well, you have to get him. So now you're taking him at pick 44. Now, all of a sudden people come out and say, oh, I think Sky Moore is one of the top seven wide receivers in the draft. And you're like, this guy went from being a late second, early third round pick to a top seven wide receiver. And he didn't play a single game of football. That's the crazy part is these guys aren't playing right now. They're just running. That's all they're doing. So I think just from a content standpoint, I think a lot of times we put names through the washing machine to create a persona of a player. And then when it comes to the actual day of the draft, well, that, that guy wasn't really as highly touted as we all thought he was. So I think in the rare occasion where a guy like JOK, who we were talking a little bit about Nick Benito, I think JOK maybe fell victim to that as well, where teams went, well, the Cardinals took Isaiah Simmons and it's taken a long time for him to really kind of blossom. What are we going to do with these guys? The Browns said, I'll take that guy and I'll find, I mean, give Joe Woods credit because when we, when we sat back and looked at JOK, everybody, the big knock on him was, well, he can't play Mike. He's not big enough to play Mike. We needed a Mike. And the Browns said, yeah, you're right. He's not going to play Mike. He's going to play Will. And we're going to bring him in in a dime package and good luck trying to block him. Because, I mean, there was a couple, I think Jake Burns had some great highlights of you just watch these linemen go to block him and he just stutter steps to the side and makes the play. You know, so the the credit to the Browns, they're willing to kind of create an amoeba-like defense. So I personally think, Jack, if I was a betting man, I would put it as probably, I'm going to go plus 180 that the Browns take a D lineman of some sort. It's interior or edge. Because who knows, there may be a Logan Hall that's listed as a D tackle. I don't know. So I would put it as plus 180. The Browns are going to draft D-line, edge or interior, likely edge. I know you say, yes, you're shaking your head. And I would say it's probably closer to plus 300 for Browns taking a wide receiver. And, you know, like I said, according to these mocks, every wide receiver under the sun is going to be gone between pick 20 and 32 anyways. So, yeah, I think it's one of those things that we will get a sense of it um, based on free agency because, if they only sign Jerry Hughes and then they go out and pay money to Will Fuller and Landry, even though I don't think they'll get two free agents, well, they're probably not drafting a wide receiver because there's just not the roster spots anywhere. And I don't mean just at four. They might draft it day three. You may see it late day two, day three. You're going to draft maybe, who knows, there's a guy you like later on. If they sign two, 
I don't think they would even draft someone later on because there's not the roster spots for them unless you're uh, planning to get rid of Schwartz uh, or DPJ. Or, or you draft a guy maybe like John Mechie in the third round has a torn ACL and you say, hey, you know what, we're going to draft him. And then they bring him in on a, you know, a pup right now or a, an IR spot and let him kind of develop. You know, there may listen, and I'm, I use Mechie because it's the name people know. There may be a wide receiver at Boise State or another college that they really like that has some sort of a, a, maybe an injury thing that their medical team flagged, and that's how they bring them in. I mean, you know, that's kind of what teams do, unfortunately, for players, and it kind of guarantees them, you know, the first thing. I mean, hell, look at Drew Forbes. That guy's played three years and never played. <laughs> yep. Project X is an X on the damn stat line every week. But that's it, guys. That gives you a run through of sort of where we're at. We'll come back next time to you whenever there's actually any news. Um, and who knows when that's going to be? We'll find yeah. out soon. I think that there's a couple more dominoes. But yeah, I do think it's kind of crazy that the in terms of the free agent crop, so to say, with the Browns, it's been uh, relatively quiet. So, I mean, excluding excluding uh what's his name uh deshaun watson obviously coming over in a trade jack how many free agents can you name that the browns have signed from other teams not their own jakeem grant yep uh, your guy come on don't forget about him Taven Bryan, obviously Taven Bryan. they they felt like they signed him three months ago is that it? Backup quarterback, the bulldozer. Ah, uh, Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. I'm so the Browns have the Browns have acquired yet. the Browns have acquired three players via trade: Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper, and Chase Winovich. And they've signed three free agents: Taven Bryan, Jakeem Grant, and Jacoby Brissett. So that ever so hyped free agent train that was going into that league year. Remember, people were like counting it down like it was New Year's on Monday, the tampering period, the tampering period. I present to you Jakeem Grant. Jacoby Brissett and Taven Bryan. Everybody's like, Any, anything else? Christmas morning was full of a bunch of uh, stocking stuffers, but nobody's got the big gift. And then the Browns were like, guess what? We've got gifts for you. It comes in via trade. Here's Amari Cooper, Deshaun Watson, and Chase Minovich. So it's it's been a unique offseason for the Browns. I mean, six guys. I think we had projected 10 or 11. We're at six. I still think there may be a few to come. Yep. Bring back. They're going to have to bring in a callback. Um, they're going to have to bring in a tight end. So maybe, who knows, Nick Mullins, something else. Because they'll want a veteran while Deshaun Watson's very, very likely suspended. They need a third tight end just to take into camp before they draft someone else. Um, they'll need... There's not too much need elsewhere. They'll need even a, a, a backup a edge guy. Maybe Joe Jackson comes back to battle it out for camp. I think he's um, in Carolina. Sheldon now. Day. Um, yeah, some other bits yeah. and pieces. There'll I think the most... guys coming in, but not the sexy ones. And lots of them, they'll wait until after free after the draft to sign on a team that hasn't drafted guys to replace them. Because the last thing, say, that Joe Jackson wants to do is sign. We draft two edges, and then suddenly he's like, crap, I'm it's here till the end guys. of camp. And I cannot get on this roster. There's no way I'm here. Yeah, and I think the important moves the Browns made, obviously getting everything figured out with David Njoku, um, keeping him here for a year. That's another contract that you could see moved a little bit. And then Walker and Conklin, I think, are another pieces. So the Browns did their part in, in terms of retaining the talent they wanted to retain. And most importantly, bringing back Morris Forrestal. I think that is just, that's the super, that's the peak of the Super Bowl. 
So, Martin right there. With that bit of evidence that will change everyone's life, go Browns. Go Browns, and hopefully Paul is surviving his second round in Dubai. Shout out, Paul. We miss you. And stay tuned. Maybe we'll have a Twitter space scheduled soon. Go Browns.